Hello, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. My name is Abe Miller, uh, along with Lucas Bear. I'm on staff Hello. here, and uh, I've been at Sailorville for several years. Lucas is our missionary to Brazil. One of them. Uh, one of them. Yeah, we we've sent uh, sent you out, you and your wife Teresa, and your three boys, and. Uh, we have quite the history. We're good friends. We, we also friends. worked together for, yep. I don't know how many years. A few. A few years. We yeah. were on staff together here. Uh, you were the college guy, and I was the youth guy, so we have a long history. We still stay in, stay in touch here. So I'm excited. This is my very first time to host a podcast, and I get to do it with my good friend. Yeah, so. I'm excited. It's a privilege. Yeah, it'll be a good time here just to kind of talk through this. So really what we're, what we're discussing is your message from... Last, well, it would have been last week, January 3rd, um, talking about First John. Just, just uh, give, us, give us just kind of a quick uh, summary of, of the message in case people haven't, haven't listened to the message. Sure. If you haven't listened to the message, it will be in the show notes underneath on YouTube or whatever. You can find it on the Sailorville Church website. But just kind of give us a quick update. Give us a little bit of context of sure. what we're doing here. Um, well, it has to, uh, really there's kind of two things coming out of the message. Um, one being that our relationships in life uh, inform us and are directly connected to our relationship with Christ. So uh, what John talks about is this idea that I can't say that I have a great relationship with Christ if I don't have great relationships with people. And if I'm not loving people, I'm not loving God. And so there's a great connect there. And so what I love about that whole idea is it's, it doesn't have to be a mystery to us um, what our relationship with Christ is like or the quality and depth of our relationship with Christ because I can look at my relationships. If I have a terrible relationship with you, Abe, that informs me that my relationship with Christ is not very good either because they're connected. So that was one part of the, uh, of the message that, um, and uh, one aspect that for me was really powerful, just that connection. And also... Uh, the idea that God is calling us to make the invisible God visible through loving people. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that was, uh, in that passage there, verse 12, 1 John 4, 12, I, to me that verse is so, so cool because this idea that God's invisible, but that when I'm loving people, that invisible God is made visible to the people around me. And, uh, and kind of how I summarize that is this idea that I need to be a revelation of Jesus to the people in my life, and to the people around me. So that, that was really mm-hmm. the, the main gist of the message and then just practically how that how that plays out in our life. Yeah, and I, I didn't know what you were going to be preaching on. I mean, you and I had hung out before this, but I didn't know what you were preaching on. Um, but it was super challenging. It was convicting to me, just uh, the, yeah. the idea of... It's easy, and you even brought this up, and maybe we'll talk about this later, but just the idea of, like, it's easy to say, like, I'm reading my Bible, and I'm going mm-hmm. to church, and I'm giving back to the church and stuff, but, like, we don't often ask that question. Like, how are you doing with, like, loving people? I mean, that's not, like, an accountability question yeah. that we would ask most of the time to people, but I loved your transparency. I loved your honesty, and I, I've always appreciated that about you. Well, the thing, the thing to me that's so, uh, so challenging is, and so practical to that passage is oftentimes when you think about a relationship with God, it's esoteric, it's kind of out there, it's not tangible, it's, it's almost mystical, you know, it's because God's spirit, and it's like, well, how do you relate well with God? What's that look like? But my relationship with people, I can see that, I right. can touch that, right. I, can, 
I can get a real clear idea of how my relationship with Abe is or how my relationship with my wife is. Um, and so it, it kind of demystifies a little bit our relationship with God, or to say it this way, it demystifies the, the quality of my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, it's, it's, uh, we can fall into the trap of thinking that I'm really good with God even though I'm really bad with people. Yeah. Um, but Scripture teaches that, that, that that's a disconnect, that those, those are connected. And so I can look at my relationship with my wife, and that will tell me about my relationship with Christ. Yeah. Yeah, and even, even when you do ask somebody, like, how are you doing spiritually? How's, how's your heart or whatever? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times people would say, like, well, I'm reading my Bible. <laughs> um, yeah, think, things are good. Yeah. I mean, it, it is kind of that mystical... How do you how do you uh, quantify? Yeah, measure, how do you measure measure it? Um, so, so you even in your message you said you know this has been challenging to you over the last year. Yeah. Like how how has this personally? I mean, you guys have been in you guys have been in lockdown and quarantine and all that stuff in Brazil. But like how has this played out for you personally? Like what's been the challenge for you as yeah. you've looked at this and asked some tough questions about your own heart? Like what yeah. what has God revealed to you through this whole? Well, and I even I even brought that up on Sunday. It's um, because it's, it, we have to inspect our own hearts. We have, to, we have to judge ourselves and we have to ask God to give us clarity and honesty as we look at our own lives. And, and when I look at even what Jesus calls us to, but just, but just in, a, in a context of loving people and what that looks like and how if I, it's like what John says here, if I say that I love God but I, I'm not loving people, then I'm a liar. And so then I have to look at my life and and ask the question, do I love people? I mean, do I really love people? Do I, do I love the people the way God wants me to love people? And I can look at things like the way I spend my money. Like if I, if I get some, <laughs> for example, uh, I, I'm going to donate, my wife and I are going to donate some, uh, donate plasma, we're going to pay us for it, right? So, <laughs> because it's like, we, we come to the States and everyone's like, you donate plasma? Do I'm it. like, what are you talking about? And, so then, so my son does it, and then he sends us a list of all the money he's going to make. I'm like, whoa, that's a, crazy. And so uh, Teresa and I are like, well, if we, we can both donate plasma in the next couple, couple of weeks. And so I'm thinking, well, that's going to be like, that's going to be like $1,000 between the two of us. That's crazy. And, and my wife's like, it'd be so great because then we can save that money and we can help our kids when they're here. And we'll save it for our kids for when they're here in the States. And I'm like, oh. That's not at all what I was thinking. <laughs> but it's just one of those things like, man, Lucas, why do you just, why do you always love your, yourself first with your wallet? Mm-hmm. Why, is it, why is your inclination always to love yourself first? And those are things that just challenge me. It's like, man, why, why do I have such a difficult time? Why is it such a battle to love people? Even the people closest to me, I still, there's a sense in which I still want to love myself more. And so... Going through this passage and really thinking about it and allowing God to challenge me on it, that's a serious question because when you start seeing those tendencies in your life, like that, uh, that you're always putting yourself first or you're always talking about yourself first or the most important person in your life is yourself or you just have a hard time loving people, when you start seeing those tendencies, you have to start asking yourself some real questions like, okay, look, am I really a follower of Jesus or, or am I just, have I just kind of fell into some cultural religion and I'm just kind of doing the thing. I'm checking the, the boxes. I can theologically say that I believe all these right things. I do all the right things. But in my heart, really, am I uh, producing the fruits of 
a true follower of Jesus? Those are the questions I think that I have to ask myself. And, and not just like flippantly. Um, I, I had some duking out with the Lord moments um, at my kitchen table as I was looking at the Word of God and having to wrestle with the, with the reality that, man, there's, there's some real carnality still in my heart that, that, that the, the Lord is trying to weed out. And, and I can, from the outside looking in, they'd say, oh, Luke's he's got it together. I mean, he's a missionary and he reads the Bible every day and he's, he's doing, uh, even, even having like family devotion time and doing all, but yet deep down in my heart, I can say, wow, there's still some, there's some, still some major areas that mm-hmm. the Lord wants to work on. And one of those is just this idea of loving people sacrificially, like, like Jesus loves people. And so that, that's a whole different bar that he calls us to. Yeah. And that's the fruit of a true follower of Jesus. It's, it's the identifier. And I think that's what is also so challenging to me is because when we ask ourselves, like, what identifies a Christian to us? I think we're so quick to list all these really superficial things that we make pretty important. Um, but Jesus says, and one of the services... I, I, not all three, maybe all three, I can't remember because it wasn't in my notes, but I referenced in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, I think verse 35, where Jesus says the, the identifier, what will identify you as my follower is your love for one another. Um, and so that's what's supposed to identify us, a, a unique supernatural love. Um, and if that's not there, then that needs to cause me and us to examine ourselves. Either to repent and start putting others first and loving people, or repent and fall on our knees and, and truly trust in Christ for the very first time. Yeah, that's really good. I think that the um, you got you got like the behavior modification, like I'm doing all of these things because mm-hmm. I know that they're I know that's what I'm supposed to do as as a Christian, right? So, I mean, even for me, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up around the Bible and Jesus and everything. I've been I've been taught this since I was a kid. You do this, 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 and this. But then really what we're talking about is a transformation in your heart that says, yeah. I don't do these things because I was told to do these things. I do this, I love people because of what Christ has done in my heart, right? So like, yeah. that's the transformation. Like, yeah, I genuinely love these people, but I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, the, the more you start to ask questions and like, what I really do? Would I do this like if I didn't have to? Or what's my motivation behind this? Am I trying to get something? Like this is uncomfortable. This is gonna sacrifice. Like I feel lazy right now. I don't want to love people. I don't. I don't want to do that right now. <laughs> you know what's at the heart of that? So I think that's really good. So like, so okay. So let's say people listen to the message and they're like, yeah, I'm struggling. I mean, I think there's some people that um, we were just talking about this earlier with some of the staff guys. Some people are just like naturally, like they just love people. They love being around people and like they get filled up by being people. And then you've got like introverts who are like, dude, I don't I don't need to like be around people all the time. That like doesn't fill me up. In fact, that actually drains me. So like, how do I love people? If that's not like my natural bent, um, what do you say to those people? Like how, do, how does that practically play out? Yeah, so how, how, can, how can the introvert uh, love Jesus and love people. Yeah, what does that look like? That's good. Um, you know, for some people, touching is very important, mm. right? Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Contact in front. <laughs> look me in the eye. 
and for the others, it's it's not. And um, even if my own children, it's just interesting because like in in my own family, we have a, a wide spectrum of people, of personalities, you know. And so, what does it look like to love Jesus across the spectrum of personality? And and the thing. Like with my own kids, we've talked about is look, what it comes down to is you don't have to be giggly and hug everybody and kiss them on the cheek. And but there's, a, there's a sense in which you have to put others first. And a lot of, when you look at how Jesus loved people, a, a lot of it is he put other, people's, other people first. Mm-hmm. In fact, which I think is significant because so much of what Jesus taught his disciples was, look, you need to be a servant. And we talk a lot today about we need to raise up leaders. We need to have a leadership pipeline. Those are great phrases yep. and ideas. But I think Jesus would say, no, you need to raise up servants and you need to create a servant pipeline because we don't need, we don't need leaders, we need servants. And, and I think uh, when it looks at uh, what it looks like to love people the way Jesus calls us to love people, it's, it's being a servant. Because when Jesus, who is the revelation of God, the scripture makes it really clear um, that, uh, like in Colossians, talk about how he, he, he was uh, uh, the image of the invisible God. I love that little passage that mm-hmm. we talked about, how the firstborn of all creation, I think it's all right there together. Um, he's the image of the invisible God. I think it's such a powerful uh, idea. Um, but uh, he revealed himself as a humble servant. And, and that's who we're to be. Because to love somebody is, is to humble yourself and I keep going back to like, not, it doesn't specifically talk about love, but in like a philosophical sense, it, to me it talks about love. And the Kenosis passage in Philippians chapter 2, um, where it talks about this idea, how Jesus' example of how he humbled himself, but this idea that you're, you, you have these wants, needs, and desires, and you, you lower them. And at the same time, you're exalting the wants, needs, and desires of somebody else. And that action really is loving somebody. It's, it's, becoming their servants, putting them first, it's thinking about them first, it's, it's setting aside your rights and uh, cherishing and protecting someone else's rights and putting them first. And so even for someone who's not maybe giggly and loud and gregorious, that is an English word, right? Yeah, I'm not I really sure what I'm that not, is. I don't know either. That could be totally <laughs> wrong. Um, and, but Sounding for, good. It, sure, sure it did. Uh, <laughs> for the person that, you know, it's, that's not that slant of personality, um, they can still put others first, yeah. and they can, and and that you know might even kind of be a challenge because I know in my own life that when I kind of shut down and kind of, I find as I get older sometimes I, I used to be like the guy I like to be up front. Now I find myself sometimes kind of like I like to be in the background a little bit, and and sometimes at a party I'll kind of separate, separate myself out and kind of want some alone time, and that's not bad. But sometimes, not always, but sometimes that's uh, selfish reasons. I, I just want me time. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. Put the effort of having to listen to Abe right now. So I'm just going to kind of, so we have to watch that because we can fall into those things, which is really just kind of selfishness. But to love somebody is, is to cast selfishness aside and to, and to become a servant and to put someone else first and see what someone else's needs are. And um, so that's a way that even if you're not that huggy, loud kind of person, yeah. you can be thinking, instead of like, how do I love this person? You can use different terminology. How, how can I serve this person? Because those are very connected, those two ideas. Yeah, that's really good. That's um, and that can go across, yeah, husbands, wives, parents, kids. I mean, you even brought that up in the message. You know, like how are you being a revelation of Christ 
you know, kids and teenagers, yeah, even to your parents, you know, or whatever. So I think as how can we, yeah, how can we serve? But see, and that's something else. People. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. That's something else I'm super passionate about. Something guys been teaching me, and I didn't talk about this on Sunday, but I don't want to do anything out in the public, out in the street, in the church that I'm not first doing in my own home. That's something that's really challenged me because I'm a, I always like to have ideas. I'm like, oh, like it could be like ministry ideas, like a new way to disciple or a new idea, this, that, and other. And uh, in recent times, the past couple of years, I, it's like the Lord's been kind of teaching me or saying, Lucas, before you start throwing these ideas out in the public realm, why don't you just work out on, on this in your home first? Well, just do the trial run in your home. And just learning that my Christian walk is, is a reflection or grows out of my personal private. My, my public walk with Christ grows out of my private walk with Christ. And my public ministry with Christ, of, uh, of Christ grows out of my private ministry in my home. And so I need to work on those areas first. So when it comes to uh, loving and, and being a servant and all these ideas that we first need to, we need to uh, learn that in our home setting. As, as parents, as husbands and wives. Because um, it gets really dangerous and very problematic when we, and, and very false, and when we are able to love people and invest in people out there before we feel comfortable investing and loving the people closest to us. Yeah, and most of the time in our houses is who we really are mm -hmm. because that's where we're most comfortable. It's where we're most, the guard comes down. That's where, you know, a lot of times we can show up to a church or to a function for an hour or two hours and, hey, yeah. you know, and then you go home and you act completely different to your spouse and, or to and your I don't know why it is. To your kids. And, and maybe this is only me. <laughs> but um, sometimes the hardest people to love are the people in our home. But and it's a reflection of, like, in my case, in my heart. Like, the people I have the least patience with are my own children and my own wife. Like, someone else out in the street, tons of patience. Grace, you know, they mess up. Oh, no, it's okay. Dude, it's okay, yeah, you know. Yeah. Out in ministry, you know, someone blows it. Oh, do you? No, no, no. Come on, I'll, I'll pray for you. And then at home, my son blows it. It's like, I expect better. You know, you get upset. And, you, and it's like, why, why is it that I have overflowing patience and love? Or the stranger, or the person that's outside my home, but I don't have that in my home. And so that was by that, those are things that um, the Lord has just been, you know, challenged me. This idea that no, this stuff has to begin in my home. I don't need to, I don't need to bring it to my home. It needs to begin here, and then what's taking place out in the street needs to be an overflow of what's already being honed and being practiced in my home. Does that make yeah. sense? Yep. Yeah. So in one of the one of the message in part of the message, you said something about like. Um, you know, the two go together. We we love because he first loved us. So um, we love Jesus by loving people. We love people by loving Jesus. Yeah. You know, those two things go together. So for the person that's listening to this, I would say, yeah, I'm struggling. I, I realize I'm not a loving person. I'm very self-centered. Um, I want my stuff. It's my time. It's my money. It's my job. I mean, it's me. This is this is what life is about. And they would say, okay, I want to I want to take a step, like. Do they start loving people? Do they start loving Jesus? Do they just read their Bible more? Do they just pray? Do they go get counseling? Do they talk to their small group leader? I mean, like, what What would you say from just a practical, where does that start? And maybe even just a posture of your heart to say, you've got to get to a point of what? 
No, that's, that's a great question. I think it depends a little bit on the situation because like the example of Jefferson that I gave, um, his love for his wife was a, was a, or his, his new developed or love that he had for his wife was a direct fruit of his change in relationship to Jesus. Because when his wife moved out and they were you know, separated, they weren't spending that much time together. And, and he, he just had some disdain for his wife. But when he, you know, I challenged him to, to, um, uh, to work towards restoration, that the better story, the story that would give God greater glory would be restoration. And, and I knew that may not be uh, plausible, it may not be possible for that for restoration to happen. And, and, and God can still create a great story out of even a broken home. I mean, God can work and in, 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 in create a great story in the midst of that as well, you know. It's not like the story's over if they get separated, no. But the better story is a story of restoration. And it's interesting because he, he didn't buy into that, you know. <laughs> he made a decision. He said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some steps of obedience towards this. Once he made the decision to take some steps of obedience, and all of a sudden the dominoes started falling. All of a sudden he started praying and fasting and reading scripture, and like really reading scripture, taking mm -hmm. notes and thinking on it. And then as his relationship with Christ really started to develop, he he was given uh, in a, and I'll say he was given an ability to love his wife. And I say that because uh, we can't divorce or separate the mystical reality from our Christian faith. Um, there is a mystical, what I mean by, when I say mystical, I mean supernatural. Um, when you look at the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, the very first um, describer word, or the very first idea of the fruit there is the word love. Love, joy, peace, patience. Right. The very first one is love. And so um, what happens in my life when I am filled with the Spirit, which is connected to me being under the Lordship of Jesus. I was going right back to Lordship. That's always my big thing back in the day. Um, that, so when I submit myself to the will of God and say, I will do whatever you want me to do, and that puts me in a posture to be filled with the Spirit of God. And by filled, I just mean controlled by the, by the, by the Spirit of God. That what that starts to produce in me, one of those things, is love. So the flip side of that is if I'm having a hard time loving, that needs to tell me, I'm not loving because I'm not walking in the Spirit. Right. I'm not submitted to the will of God right now. So f for me, when I think about if I'm struggling with love, loving people, serving people, then that, that, that informs me in that moment. Lucas, you're, you're not filled with the Spirit right now. You're not walking under the influence of the Spirit of God. And so that means I need to stop and I need to repent and I need to resubmit myself to the Lordship of Jesus in my life. Because when I do that, scripturally, what, and practically, I and others have experienced, but scripturally what that teaches us is that when we submit ourselves to the will of God like that, that he enables us to love people. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not something that I'm trying to conjure necessarily up. You know, it's, it, that's what I mean by we can't separate the supernatural realities yeah. of our faith. That, there, that, that God really does something in us. He really he begins to change our desires. That's practically it's how it looks like, um, is that he starts to change our desires. Um, and so, if you're struggling with loving people, we need to, we need to realize that one that's sin. So there needs to be some repentance there. Um, 
and you need to realize, wow, how much God loved you, and he wants you to pass it on to others. And so we need to, we need to repent, we need to submit ourselves to the, the will of God, to do what he wants us to do. And, um, and then you know, obedience start taking those steps. To, the idea of, I'm going to put someone else, you know, I'm going to put them first. So maybe it's the way I spend my money. Maybe I need to let go of some of the money, open my hand to some of my money so I can help that person out and start praying, how can I, God, show me people I can help, I can serve. Uh, with this extra money that I have, or you know, just practically thinking, how can I just be a servant, and how, which is which is a practical expression of love. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so there's a spiritual side to it. It's not just uh, yep, we're not just conjuring up uh, empty obedience, but there is a there's, there's a spiritual reality which is the fruit of the spirit as He generates those desires in us. So yeah, no, so I think that's good. The repentance part. Um, I, I was just thinking even over the, over in my own life, um, you know, if there's, if there's sin in my own life that's unconfessed, like just how that affects, it affects my walk with the Lord, which then affects my walk with my family, which then affects the people I work with, which then causes me to not love people. I mean, it, it's a, it's a domino effect. It starts to affect everything. So that, you know, um, so that, that was just, I think even just that you know, confessing sin and getting getting your heart right with the Lord. I mean, there's just that, you know, you have that conflict there if you're not confessing sin, um, which is cause, it's just almost impossible at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to love people. I love myself too much. I love my sin. I, I just want to do my own thing. Um, the other thing I heard several years ago was somebody, they had said, you know, like, if you're lacking joy or love, um, start serving others. Most of the time, if you look back at it and you dig deep enough, it's, I don't have joy because I'm just living for myself. Mm. I'm not loving Jesus and I'm not loving people. I'm loving myself. And therefore, I have no joy because there's joy in serving others and mm. loving others. I mean, that's, I think that's one of the ramifications of it. Um, and, and, you know, um, I, I serve God by serving others. I, I think that's so, uh, when someone asks you, well, how can I serve God? What? Start loving people, because when you're serving people, uh, you're serving, you're honoring the Lord. You're doing mm -hmm. works that are, are going to bring His name glory. And as have an example, uh, it's like a positive story. I didn't share it in a sermon, um, but a few years back, I can't, I can't remember. It could have been two years, could have been eight years. I can't, I can't remember. I think it was a couple years ago. Um, I was sitting. It was a Thursday. And Thursday was like our day off, like our family day. And so I kind of slept in that day. And I was kind of excited. You know, I get up, I didn't have anything, no appointments, you know, just going to be in the house with the family. And I was thinking about, I was looking forward to coming downstairs, sitting in our, in our dining room area and um, having a nice latte and having my scripture, having the Bible and just spend some time reading and just with no, you know, no time limit, no, just enjoy the time, you know. So I was looking forward to it. So I went and I made a latte and all the awesome latte art, yeah. <laughs> Tanner behind the camera, you know, he appreciates that. And I'm sitting there, I got it all set up. I got my Bible, I got my marking pens, and I sit down at the table. I'm like, finally, I'm just excited. Spend this time with the Lord. And I look down, and our house is just all tile. That's just normal. And my wife had a project that day of scrubbing all the grout in the tile. Because we had a, 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 the next day, I had an event at our house on a Friday, and bringing a whole bunch of the, the people in our ministry to our house. And so she wanted to clean the scrubbing grout is not an enjoyable thing. There's a lot of it. So I'm sitting with my Bible, ready to spend time with the Lord, love on Jesus, you know. 
and I look down and I see my wife on her hands and knees with a little brush scrubbing the grout. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what is the best way for me to love you right now? Is it, is it sitting here reading the scriptures as my wife scrubs the grout? Or is it to close my Bible and to go serve my wife and clean grout with her? You know, so obvious in that moment, the way for me to spend time with the Lord was to close my Bible mm. and to get on my knees and start scrubbing grout. And that's what I did. And that, to me, was just, it was like this moment, it was like this aha moment. It's like, you know, I, I serve God by loving my wife, you know? But so we can fall into the trap and think, no, this is the spiritual thing. There's a, no, that's just, that's just a service thing. But uh, I, I think what Scripture teaches us is that, no, they're both spiritual things. But at that moment, yeah. for me to not love my wife and serve my wife, to read the Bible, uh, would not have pleased the Lord. So I shut the Bible and I scribbed, I scribbed the title. Yeah, wow. Um, and so, not, I can't say it happens all the time, right? I'm not, don't, I don't want you to think that I'm this like amazing husband. No, I, I'm, you know, I work through my things just like anyone else. But it's just important. I think that connection that I love God by loving people, I, it just, to me, it just simplifies so much and brings clarity about what my, what my life in Christ looks like and what it's supposed to look like and what pleases the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. That's, that's challenging. Uh, one last question here. Um, so, talking about loving people and, you know, like, okay, we're talking about our family. We, we love our family. We love our wife, our kids, maybe, you know, ministry people, whatever, wherever your situation is. But, like, how do we love, like, the hard people? Mm. Like, the, the ones that drive you crazy, like you. <laughs> yeah, that are not like me, that are not wired like me, that are, have a different thinking on life or they just rub me the wrong way. Like, I mean, how, is it the same thing? Is it, because that's, that's the difficult part, you know, right? And Jesus even says that in Matthew five about Mm -hmm. loving your enemies, you know, like that is a supernatural thing, right? (laughs) I mean, it's gotta be. It is. And, you know, if we just love the people that that are easy to love, even the, you know, even the pagans is put in scriptural terms can do that. Um, but it's when it's it's really when you love the hard people. That's that's when people see Jesus, right? Because that's something that's something otherworldly, right? And and again, that's not that that ability comes from the Spirit of God. It comes from someone who is submitted to the, the will of God, and and they are uh, walking in the Spirit and 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 seeing their, their life as as a sacrifice to the Lord, who are willing and able to love those, uh, the, the difficult people. And there are, sometimes I'm that difficult person, you know, and, uh, but there are difficult people. But here, here's, this is what I think was, I mentioned this in one of the services in, I didn't, it wasn't my notes, I didn't write it down, I never mentioned, I don't know if it was the first or second one, but I think it was the first time, I didn't mention it the other times, um, that uh, when I was, I was, I was referencing that the very act of loving people actually develops and deepens our relationship with Christ. So it's not so it's it's uh, it's it's not just the outflow of my relationship with Christ. It's actually it's actually the very thing that deepens my relationship with Christ. And I made the off comment. I said, you know, so when God puts that difficult person into your life to love, you just need to see that as an invitation hmm. to a deeper relationship with Christ. Because 
he's going to use that person to teach you and draw you closer to him. And so in, you can say, um, you can have that, that perspective on any hardship that comes in your life, you know. Any, any time there's something difficult and, and um, uh, it's like, man, this is an opportunity for me to grow in my, in my faith and I walk with the Lord. It's the same thing with people. I mean, you see that person who's difficult to love, and that person could be a spouse, <laughs> it could be a neighbor, it could be a coworker. And it's like, wow, to, to serve this person, that is going to be sacrifice. That's going to be hard. Yeah. But the reality is, God loves that person. If God loves that person, then you know, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. So that means I not only must I love that person, but he's going to enable me to love that person. And, and, and to see that as an invitation, I, I, by loving this person, I'm going to experience God differently. There's going to be a level of sacrifice here that it's going to draw me closer to the Lord. And so uh, that difficult person isn't someone to avoid, um, but it's, it's a cherished opportunity, an invitation. You can see it that way. It's an invitation to, to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ because it's in those people. Like a, it's like what Jesus said to love your enemies. Um, if you just love your friends, there's nothing special. That's not right. going not, that's not to give glory to God. I mean, yeah. it's, it's the right thing to do. But when you love your enemy, that's when people, I mean, you see all the time when, when somebody, a drunk driver kills someone's child and that, that parent comes out and says, I forgive you. I mean, it's, that makes headlines. I mean, yeah. that makes the paper. The people write stories on it in the newspaper. It makes national news when people, does, when people do yeah, that. It's not normal. It's not normal. <laughs> but when someone loves their best friend, no one's going to notice yeah. that. That's, like, that's easy. Yeah. So it's, it's the supernatural outflow of love that, that draws attention uh, or can draw attention to our Savior. And that's what we're called to. Yeah. Um, our acts of love are, 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 are to be this very thing that, that draw attention to God. And that's something else I think I've learned. Just, uh, I know you said this is your last question, but just to kind of close it down, that was something else that I've learned in the last couple of years, the last five or so years, is uh, down in Brazil... Uh, we have a lot of small groups. Our church kind of functions in small groups. And one of the things that we strive in our small groups is to create loving environments where we just want people to love and care for people. We say, look, your goal is to love and care for people in your small group. So we want to create an atmosphere of a genuine love and compassion and care. You know, what's fascinating is our small groups, they don't, they're open groups. There's a lot of different ways to do small groups. Our small groups are open. So that means they can invite people to come and encourage to invite unbelievers to their small groups. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's a small group that we just talk about the sermon. We have prayer time and food. We talk about the sermons. It's not evangelistic. The, the small groups are not evangelistic. But they are, they, have, they are our most powerful tool of evangelism. And it was so striking to me. I'm like, what on earth? Because there's people getting saved. I'm not even talking to them. Like my small group leaders are, which, you know, I don't know how well they've been trained in evangelism, right? I don't know if they're qualified to lead people to the Lord. <laughs> but these people are getting saved and baptized and it's like, man, and you start hearing their testimonies. This was so, and these are people who are, who are, they're not like your, say your, your easy converts. Like the person who's grown up Christian, but has never quite figured out that, no, I, I need to make an actual decision for Jesus. Those are your easy converts. They already believe in God and, and they know who Jesus is. And it's just a, they have to come to a spiritual understanding that I need to believe in Jesus as my savior, not just about him. But these are people who are pagans, who don't know the God of the scriptures. 
They don't know the monotheistic God of the Old and New Testament. They don't know Jesus, right? Mm. And for, to see these people coming to know Jesus is fascinating, incredible. But then to hear their testimonies, in one by one, the testimonies were almost identical. They're, they're all like this. Well, my neighbor invited me to the small group and we decided to go and I went there. And the way they received me, in the way they loved each other and cared for each other. I'd never seen anything like it. I'd never seen people, I've never felt love like this. Yeah. I've never seen love by, like this. And I, I, just, I just wanted more. And I wanted to know where this was coming from. And so then when someone sat down and, gave, and talked about Jesus, it wasn't like this long presentation and philosophical discussion trying to get them to understand and jump through all the mental hoops of, it was, it was well, you know, Jesus is the Son of God and he died for your sins and, and it's like, and the people are like, I want that. Yeah, if you I, have that, I want that. I, I want that, you know? And these people, are, these people who are statistically or, uh, you know, you look at it and think, man, that, that's a tough person to win the Lord. They're coming to know Jesus because they were experiencing, they were tasting, in a sense, the gospel. Yeah. And so it just paved the way to open the door for these people to come to know Jesus. And it was powerful. But it, it was showing me that, that supernatural love of the body of Christ, I think, is the greatest evangelistic tool that... that 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 uh, Jesus has given us, mm. and, it's, and it goes back to that John thirteen thirty five passage, which I think is so powerful. And he says, "By this, all people all people know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another." Yeah, that's that's so powerful. Yeah, to that's me. good. And um, and it's that supernatural love that that, uh, that I've seen with my own eyes. It just draws people because it's supernatural. Yeah. It's otherworldly. Yeah, they haven't seen it. They haven't seen it. Yeah. They haven't experienced it. Yeah, that's really good. That's a great way to end. <laughs> so good, good challenge. For sure, I think. Love Jesus it. and love people. Yeah. And call it a day. Yeah. Very simple. Way to simplify <laughs> it. Way to, way to put it. Uh, Just do it tomorrow. Do it tomorrow and you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Well, thanks for thanks for stopping in. Thanks for hey, joining us. It was great to spend a little time with you. It was. It was good to invite some friends in to join us. Yep. You're uh, you're heading back uh, you're heading back to Brazil here in a little bit. And, yeah. Uh, uh, Lord willing, the second week of February. Yeah. And we're excited to get back. Yeah. Cool. Excited to get back. Very good. Well, thanks so. again. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully you can uh, tune in next week.